My prayer is from Isaiah 55. And so I'm going to open in prayer and um, just paraphrase this, this chapter that is so important. Father God, I praise you this morning. I worship you. God, I thank you. As we just finished the song where the lyric says, you can have my heart. You can have everything within me. I, I thank you that you are so worthy and so loving and so good. And you can have my heart. I ask this morning that as your word says that, that you would take what you have given, this seed, this word, and that you would allow it to go forth and be used however you desire, that it would not return void in the mighty name of Jesus. Open our hearts, open our minds, loosen the soil of our heart to receive from you today, God. I just stand in obedience to release a word, and and I know, Father, you brought me to the end of the Gospel of John, in one of those one of the accounts where Jesus, when you revealed yourself to Mary, and you said, "Go and tell them, go and tell them that you have seen me. Go and tell them." And she left, and the Amplified says she released that word to the disciples and to others. So, Father, I also stand in obedience. To release the word this morning that you have given me. It is for me and it is for others. And I just, I just praise you, God. And I just, just ask, Holy Spirit, I invite you to completely take over. That my, my words would be your words. That my my person, my vessel, the vessel that you've created would be a dwelling place for you, God. As you say in Ephesians 2. Because truly, I never forget that apart from you, I can do nothing, I can say nothing. You are my very breath. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. Thank you for celebrating this covenant of communion this morning. Thank you for your presence. It was hard to even lift the wafer in the cup. I was shaking so much. Just awestruck by who you are. Awestruck that that you gave us that scripture and that it was on the same night that you were betrayed, Jesus. You declared the new covenant that your body and your blood represented by the wafer and the cup is the new covenant. Thank you for that new covenant, that access to you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did, what you paid for. That is so significant in knowing you deeper, receiving this access to you, 
not just access into heaven when we receive you as our Savior, but access to you on a continual basis, working out our salvation in this period of time called sanctification. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. It just means everything. It's everything. So I worship you. I commit this to you. And I bind every demon strategy that would come against any of the listeners of this word this morning in the name of Jesus. You are rendered dormant, mute, silent in Jesus' name. God, this is your word. Take it forth. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So a verse that struck me that has um, been dear to me for many, many years of my life, and it's not unfamiliar to most, is found in Philippians 3. And um, you can turn there with me. What's interesting is that I wanted to show it to you in three different translations this morning. The first of which is going to be um, the King James. So if we can do the King James first... um, Cole, my word guy. Uh, In verse 10 of Philippians 3, I love the way this verse starts. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Go even to the next verse in this particular translation, although I love it best in the coming translations that I'll be giving you, that if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. But the three parts of that verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I want to look at it in the Amplified, though. Amplified Classic. So if you guys have... Other translations, I actually brought my paper version of only the Amplified Classic uh, with me today because I'm focusing on that translation more today. But the Lord had given me this title, and um, sometimes it's a disservice. It's very strange how he's turned things upside down for me. It used to be that um, I would need my notes way ahead, and then I would cling to my notes and rely on my notes and uh, stand on my notes. (laughs) And... um, That was my security blanket to ever share a word or give a little lesson or whatever it was that the Lord would have me do in a large or small setting. And um, and then he began to tear up that process and and tear up the notes. And then it was like, you know, I'll give it to you more last minute. And uh, that was nerve wracking. But also I trusted him for it. And it was wonderful. And, And what's interesting is he he did a little bit of a mix this week. He gave me this verse to just meditate on, ruminate on, take each word and look at the weight of it and and soak in it because it was as much for me as anybody else. And the words over and over again that he gave me were that I may know him, that I may know him, which, by the way, is the title of the message today, that I may know him. But the interesting thing is, is that the more I thought about it through the lens of what this morning would look like, the more confusion and um, distraction set in. And finally, he said, I didn't give you this early so that you could come up with a whole lot more things to say. And I think I even said this last week because it was part of his process or last time I preached. But 
he gave it to me early that I may know him. <laughs> Hello, Alexa. Sometimes he has to just gently, you know, kindly knock me on the head a little bit and say, this is to, to soak in me because you cannot speak of what you do not know. And we don't ever want that. That sadly happens a lot throughout the bride, um, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, but um, there's a lot of speaking of what isn't necessarily understood or walked out. And I know that he just had me sit with him and ask him to unlock more of what this even means. Now, the the hard part, the mind-blowing part, is when you begin to ask him that, and it's already past this noggin ability. Like, it's already, the, the, it's already beyond the language of the human realm for my mind to comprehend it. He, it it's all, he's already blown my mind, so now all I can do is sit with him and experience him in, in reality. And I'm telling you, it's so interesting when you look at the Apostle Paul's life, because this was in the letter to the Philippian church. And the Amplified, I love when I need to kind of unpack a verse and I'm not doing it through commentary or whatever. I just, this is the translation that kind of unlocks it. Even though the Greek language is a very, very precise language and it does, um, you know, when you look at its root, it's really, it's it's quite expansive and yet precise, but... We're going to read this in the Amplified Classic now, so you can go to that one. So it says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in the spirit into his likeness, even to his death. Now, the interesting thing is that that verse is so connected with the next verse so we'll just go right to that because it kind of, it, it was separated for the, the ease of reading. And by the way, it was separated by the, the way man translated it. But the concept of Paul giving it is that these are connected. In the hope that if possible, or King James said, if by any means, I may attain to the, to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. But I want to look at the first part of this verse that kind of struck me. For my determined purpose in verse 10 is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Okay, which is going to bring with it, once I, once that, once I begin that process, I'm going to then perceive and recognize and understand the wonders of his person more clearly. That's a mouthful. Knowing, knowing him is 
different than knowing about him. And in his fierce, passionate love, he wants us to get this so desperately. And there is something happening now in the spirit, in God's process, in this time in which we live. And it's hard to articulate it because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. It's, it's, that, it's that a door or, or a, there's, a, there's a closing of sorts of the way things used to be in that we must get this in order for him to be moving into this new time that we're moving into. This is it. The door of deciding that you are good with just knowing about him and good with with the the basic almost surface almost traditional kind of christianity it's just no more the the thing that that leads to the lukewarm but that some people would say no 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 i'm not lukewarm i'm not i'm i i do love the lord i do love the lord i i i do my my things i do my bullet points and i pray and i'm certainly i certainly need him i'm desperate for him it's like it's really the line it, it's not only the line in the sand but it's the cutting and the cutting and the cutting deeper and what's happening is every cut is a choice to lean further into knowing him. And by the way, to know him is to get rid of all of the presuppositions that are within us to know him. It is to surrender into the knowledge of him. You, when you take your limited, I mean, we are, we are the clay. He's the potter. We don't take as clay and go back to the potter to tell the potter who we are. Okay, he himself is the creator. So to take our humanity and go to him to try to understand him is just nonsense. It's cart before horse. We we take a a posture of surrender and of emptying of ourselves of this limited, fragile, human, limited, finite part of of our being. And we we lay it down. We, We discard it. We lay it down to then know him more fully. That's how we're, we get to know him. And unless we're doing that, we're not going to be able to navigate through the intensity of the times that are upon us, right? There's the intensity. It's, there's a certain amount you can kind of block out, but you're really seeing it everywhere. There, there are rumblings. You know, there are people that can... Um, there are places that are being shake, shaken a lot more in pockets right now. There will, there will be a process where every single thing that, that is able to be shaken will be shaken in, in, in our lives. That, that's just a, a reality. It will not look the same for every person because the way that I need to, the, the, my detox process, my shaking process to get things up and out will be different than Rich's or than Jeff's or than Bryn's. It, it's a different process because of what's in there, what's lodged. It's all, it's all unique. It's all custom. And right now, this, this shaking, everything is being exposed and revealed, which is a good thing because the Lord is saying, what did we just sing? 
what, what was the line, Josh? That, uh, but uh, come take my something every room. Come and consume every room. That's a not an easy thing to say in worship, is it? It's not. We don't, we don't want every single place sometimes opened up. We do, but then we don't, you know. So the Lord is, is saying, if you know me, there won't even be a door on that room. It'll just be a wide open space. And so he wants us to know him. We, we talk a lot about consequences. We talk a lot about the weight of, of choice and about the ominous shaking and all of these things that are happening. But today, the Lord wants us to focus on the fact that if you know me, then every single thing that I'm doing will in no way be a negative thing. Everything will be an unlocking and a further compelling of you toward me that you've never experienced before. And so knowing Jesus is really to know him in such a way that it completely changes who we are. And there was a couple of things that he mentioned to me. When it says perceiving, I love this, um, recognizing, perceiving, and understanding. You'll notice if you go through the Gospels, it, you will say in different points in Scripture where Jesus was in a situation and he perceived what a person was thinking. He perceived there was a knowing. Remember, if you do not, if you do not believe, and, and um, it was even mentioned this morning by Shannon in the ladies' class, he gave up his rights to operate as God. When he came to the earth, right? So in giving up his rights, this is such a huge debate in the bride, and, and it, um, it bothers me because it is one of the examples of a theology that has to be fought because if you accept that he did not act as God and that he acted fully by choice as man on the earth, then you, if you don't, if you don't believe that, then you can't understand that that he worked in miracles and that that itself paved the way for us to work in miracles it's basically it's like if i want to shut down the the working of the gifts of the spirit the only way i can really do that is to say that the only reason jesus did what he did is because he was god no jesus did what he did in empowered by the spirit of, of god by the holy spirit through the will of the father like we can because he walked like as we are so anyway that's just another point of something that's very important but jesus when he perceived when he knew when he understood it was because he knew the father he learned obedience what he was without sin so if he was god if he operated as god what did he have to learn i don't know if you know anything about god but he doesn't have to learn he doesn't lie and he doesn't learn he is all-knowing all the time always was always will be and so when Jesus learned obedience and learned, it was because he was building this amazing relationship with the Father. He, he built this relationship, and he showed us the way to how to do that. So his ability to perceive and to know and to work was because of what was released. Have you ever walked into a situation? This has happened to me, and it is very, it's been very challenging for me to steward. In um, one of the gifts of the Spirit that he's had me operating in and that, um, that I didn't realize I had been given before I was aware of it, 
Um, and again, always, you know, ask the Lord. You can operate in any one as the Spirit wills for, a situ- for any situation, but there are sometimes predominant ones that he'll work through uh, in your life. And one of them for me was discerning of spirits, which is an, um, a discerning of what is at play and what is going on in a situation. And I have not, before I really was, um, let the Lord train me in it, I, I didn't deal with it well. In fact, I, I thought that, um, I jokingly now say that, you know, that, that you got to be careful because one of the gifts of the spirit is not the gift of criticism because sometimes the Lord will give you a knowing of a situation or of a person. And in your flesh, the knee jerk reaction is, I see that's wrong. Something's rising up in me. I'm going to go confront it, you know, guns blazing. Let's just, you know, let's just sit down and, and dig it all out and lay it out on the table. And that may not be what the Lord wants to do in that moment. It has to be when and how and led by him. And so it's been challenging as he has been showing me things and he has been giving me very clear. It's like I'll perceive something happening, but then I need to trust him with why he's showing me what he showed me. You'll see Jesus confronted things and then Jesus also knew things that he didn't deal with in the way that he dealt with other things. And that's why I love studying the life of Jesus and when he responded boldly, when he responded softly, always, always, always walked in truth and confidence and courage. But he dealt with things very differently at different times. And But the, as the Lord shows me things, and, and then I go to him and we, we talk about it. Like, Lord, I've even, I've even wrestled with him. Like, why are you showing this to me? If you're not letting me do something about it, especially when it's just something so frustrating and he'll show me. And this is why it is so important. And the apostle Paul even says without love, all of the gifts, you can have them on steroids and they will do nothing for you. You need his love. And so knowing Jesus, knowing God is to know his love. You've got to know his love. And one of the things about his love is it's not just knowing him to love. It's did you know that you actually there is a certain amount of surrender, actually a tremendous amount, depending on what you've been through. You have to surrender to even receive his love sometimes. It's an interesting thing how we tend to get kind of almost like a I, I just I know you love me, but OK, I just need. Mm. And I'm going to demonstrate this. I'm going to put a couple people on the spot this morning. Um, because I, the Lord gave me this picture immediately, and I can promise you that the Lord gave me this picture. So those that I'm going to put on the spot, just trust me that it's the Lord. Go to him if you don't like that you're being put on the spot. No, they'll be fine. Um, John and Lacey, I want you to come forward, please. So this is a couple, and um, you, you should be coming up on your first year anniversary when? May. So <laughs> that's not the spot I meant to put you on. John totally knew. Anyway. Um, so they're under a year married. Okay. So I've seen this happen before and it was the first thing that came to my mind when he was showing me about this love. So I want you to stand in front of John and John, I want you to, from behind, just wrap your arms around her. Just, you're just holding her. And I've seen this posture before. I've just seen him, you know, like they, whether they're worshiping together or if I've sometimes walked into Bryn's house and they're standing in the kitchen and he's just standing there with his arms around her, just kind of just holding her, just embracing her. And then I want you to lean your chin down here. You tilt your head over whichever side is best for you, but just, you know, like nuzzled into her neck and just just an embrace, a loving, 
you know, appropriate but beautiful demonstration of just their their love and their connection. Okay, so this is kind of a picture of how the Lord just comes and just surrounds us and just holds us secure. There is something about your personal space being invaded with someone you love and you trust and you're just like, yes, this is right. Okay, so I remember when they met. If John had come to her and just, I see that person over there. I've not even officially met her yet. And he just comes and he just wraps his arms around her and nuzzles his chin into her neck. There would be a little bit of a, um, okay, you know, invasion of personal space much, (laughs) you know, there would be this resistance. But what happens is sometimes we don't, sometimes we, we react to God in the same way that we would react to a stranger, even though we say that we've accepted him and we trust his love. There is a trust and there is something that's normal about this embrace. Now, if you if you were to just suddenly just be like, okay, okay, even now in your, in your relationship and in your marriage, you were to just kind of, and I just want you to just shake him off of you, just kind of like, I just want to, I want to step away, okay? Do you know the Lord's embrace is always there, but sometimes we have something going on that just makes us go, okay, I, I know you love me, I just, don't touch me. Girls, have we ever done that? There is a touch-me-not something that happens within us when we are not in a right place with the Lord. There, is, um, there are things that happen. Now, in the example of a human dynamic, we can't say that he's absolutely perfect. I mean, you can, but you know what I mean? Like, in the example of God being the bridegroom, we're talking perfection. Okay. Now I know that what's great about how God designed marriage to be a picture of Christ and the church is that you can trust him fully as you trust the Lord fully. Because when you know who the Lord has given you for your mate, it's in order to trust him, it's, it's a reflection of trusting. When I started to really know the Lord more, I actually trusted Greg more um, in, in faith and as he was growing. Now, the interesting thing is, is obviously that gets into sometimes there are marriages where the, the, the husband isn't walking with the Lord and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about that embrace. And sometimes when you resist it, it, it's a reflection that something's going on. But when it's Jesus, it's just you knowing that, okay, why don't I want to receive that love? And you guys can sit down. Have you ever had that experience where you're like, why don't I want the Lord's embrace right now? What, what's going on that, I'm, that I'm, not, I'm not receiving his love? What is it that I'm, you know, when his love is genuine, and, and this has even happened in relationships, why is it that I'm just like, ooh, don't, don't, don't embrace me? Do you know that when you love Jesus, when you know him, and truly, truly know him inside out, there is never a time you will resist his love. If you really know him, there will never be a time because he embodies love and we were created for his love. So it's an indicator whenever there's a resistance and a wanting to step away from that place of embrace where he is just wrapped around you. Ask yourself, Lord, what do I not know about you? What do I not trust you? There are in the spirit, there are touch me nots. 
to the Lord's love. And whenever you have a touch-me-not issue, there's something that you do not know about your Savior. There is something you don't know. And I'm not talking about the knowing him unto salvation. I'm talking about the knowing him in this union that he created when he created Adam and they walked in the garden in the cool of the day. They walked and they communicated. See, sin cut us off from that. But then Jesus paid it all for that to be restored. But now it's accessed by faith because the blood of Jesus paved the way. So whenever, and that faith is really, really huge, and you have to, by faith, receive his love. You have to, by faith, surrender into receiving his love. And when you really know him, you'll be able to receive his love. So ask yourself, do you have a hard time receiving his love? First of all, if you have a hard time loving, you are having a hard time receiving his love. Don't tell me that you fully are receiving his love. And then if I were to say somebody's name in your, in your past or in your present, that you got some issues with, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, don't talk about that person. Yep, don't talk about that. Yep, mm, okay. <gasps> Jesus, I love you. You're just, you're just, no. If you fully, fully are receiving his love, where you know he has filled you with the fullness of his love, how you love others is dramatically different. The more I started to let him literally, I thought he was already, I just assumed because I didn't understand sanctification. I thought because the Holy Spirit was in me that, well, I already know him. You know, there's a lot of people that would debate. I know him. I know him. I asked Jesus in my heart. I know him. When I said I do to Greg, that was the beginning, the very beginning of our relationship. I knew I loved him. That's why I was willing to marry him. I loved him. But boy, what we didn't know about each other. That first year was just something else because you know our strong personalities. I'll tell you what. And then then we went ahead and took the whole literal don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. We did not sleep for a year. (laughs) Every argument started in the late afternoon, evening, and we just stayed up. And it just, we had to really go to the Lord. Lord, what could this verse possibly mean? I got to get some sleep. It was getting bad. Um and and it was just it was a it was a getting to know it's like i knew his heart but i didn't know him and there was misunderstandings and then i was listening to him through the lens of my own hurt and and things that i'd heard before and well you're just saying that because of this and 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 indicting his heart based on past pains and and man what a picture it is the same thing when we go to god we're going to god and we're like yeah but god you know i prayed for this and you didn't give me that and well why am i going through this and you know i thought that you were this kind of god and and it's 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 so interesting there are so many parallels in marriage that represent our relationship with jesus um it's be good to do a deep study and that is why by the way it is one of the number one things totally attacked in fact, now, today, in today's society, when you just look through a human lens, the word marriage is the furthest thing than esteemed. It is a representation of nothing but discord, chaos, and, and you know, something that nobody wants. And, and the reality is many people have had tremendous struggles, tremendous struggles. Some of the best um, relationships that I know have been through the most intensely difficult things. And God wants to redeem, restore all of that. One of the things we get to know about him is 
his love. And and I'm going to mention this, come back around to that in a moment. But man, the other thing about knowing him, that's an, an indicator of knowing him is trusting him. If you are holding back your trust, and it's so, it's so closely linked with love, even, even if Lacey were to release the embrace and kind of be like, Ugh, don't touch me, it might not be because of love. Sometimes what happens in there is that there's this suspicion of, I, just don't, I don't know, I just don't know if I trust you right now. It might not be you know, some major trust issue, but just trust that you have my heart. Trust that you have my, you know, my best needs. Trust that even your motivation for wanting to put your arms around me is really pure. You know, like, don't we do that with God? We just, we, we just withhold. God, I don't know what's going on, so I don't, so because I don't know that, and it's not making sense here, so I don't know, I just don't trust. That is an, a not knowing him. That's a not knowing him. When you, don't, when you don't trust, when you withhold your trust, there's something you don't know about who God is. See, he wants to reveal himself. See, there's a process when you learn his names in the word of God, you'll notice that how we come up with these names, you guys have heard the names of God, the names of God, Elohim, creator, El Elyon, the most high sovereign God, El Roy, the God who sees, Adonai, Lord, Master, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one, Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Seboeth, the Lord of hosts. And there's a couple more. Those names came out of experiences that people had with the Lord. And you see where, you, where God gets to be introduced with that name. His names, there's so much more to him that when you experience him, you experience who he is. That's how you get to know. You've got to get to know him and surrender to the process of knowing him. There is nothing that can break the bond. Nothing. And I mean no adversary can break the bond of knowing him as your everything. There's a lot of things that can come against your relationship, but when you know him, it is an unbreakable bond. One of the things that I love, um, El Roy, one of the names of God that came from Genesis sixteen thirteen, when Hagar was running from Rebecca, she just felt like I, I just can't take this anymore. And she ran and the Lord met her there and he saw her pain. He saw her, her turmoil and he revealed himself to her and he said, go back. I see you. And that was the moment that she realized, God, you are the God that sees. And she experienced him as that name because of how he, how, what his character was demonstrated to her that day. See, this is why we call the Lord so many things. He's a redeemer, a restorer, a repairer. He's a provider. He is a comfort, a hope, a peace. How is he all these things? It's because we experience these things, and that's what, how he gets that name. Many of you, how you call him, what you call him, how you worship him, is because when you know him, it changes your worship. You worship him for who he is, but personal worship is who he has become and been realized to you. He is a God who provides 
when he is provided for you. Now, he is a provider regardless. But when you experience him as a provider, it is amazing. And this is why it is so important to not depend on yourself. Because even when he gives you means through a job or means through a generous person, he's still the provider. And sadly, when people will not recognize that if Marty is the one that gives me something that meets my need, it's the Lord using Marty to meet my need. So what, what's been happening is people have not been recognizing that God is the ultimate source. And that's even what the people in Jesus' day did. They said, well, our, our father Moses, Moses did this, and, and he fed the children of Israel in, in, the, in the, you know, the wilderness. And Jesus said, it wasn't Moses that fed those people. It wasn't Moses that led and fed those people. It was my father who used Moses. And he immediately corrected them. They didn't even recognize their source. And that's been what's happening. The names of God. What are the names of God to you? And do you get into the word and do you discover who he is? That's why he shares with us all these stories. These were, these were um, hand-selected as he led um, 66 books written by over 40 authors, as Greg always reminds us. These were chosen to show us who he is. El Shaddai was from Abraham's calling in Genesis 17 when he was beginning to be called. He was the all-sufficient God. He was the, the, the self-existent God. He was the God that was going to start this process in Abraham, calling him. And, and also with Abraham, he was discovered as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In Genesis 22, when he was being faced with giving his son, and the Lord provided a lamb. It was an immediate, you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. You provided a way out. I was willing to lay my son down, but you provided an alternative. Have you ever just noticed that sometimes God puts you through things? Not, not to hurt you, to harm you. He has good plans for you. But to show you that he is, he wants you to know him. You will never know him if you think you or your circumstances, or your life, or your surroundings, or your people in your life are your actual source. You will not get to know him. And then when times come where you've got to know the difference of what's going on, you've got to discern, you've got to rely, it's not going to be enough just to know about him. Well, I mean, I know, I know my Bible. I mean, I know, I know he was there for, you know, Abraham and Isaac. I know, he was, I know he was there. He did that there. And this actually becomes shockingly, and I've seen it happen in people's lives, it becomes reduced to a history book of awesome things that happened to other people. Because the knowledge doesn't cut it when you really, really want to get to know someone. I almost brought a box with me today, but I, I figured you could take it from, from my description. But I have a couple of boxes that are, you know, so big about early on in our marriage where Greg wrote me some letters and, and we had a bit of a long distance relationship when we met. And so he, he would write me letters, but through the years he writes beautiful cards to me and he doesn't really like to write handwritten because he shakes, but I still tell him you can do it. It looks great. I can read it and I love it. And so when he's written these cards, you know, can you imagine if, if I were to just go into the closet 
And, and by the way, this is not like a bad thing. If I were to go into to a closet and just sit and open the box and just, just read these letters and these words and just, oh, you know, just get to know them. And I, and I just, every day I just stay in my closet and I just go and I, I just read these, these great letters. And, oh, yes, I, I remember when you said that. And, oh, this is so beautiful. And I just, I'm feeling his love. And it's all wonderful. And it's all good. And Greg would be like, knock, 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 knock. Um, what are you doing? I'm in here. I'm just reading these letters you wrote to me. They're so great. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I meant every word of it. Are you going to come out of the closet and, like, be with me? Or do you, can I come in? And, you know, there was so much more going on when I wrote that letter. I just want to talk to you about that, you know, because, oh, yeah, I remember. I remember that letter. I remember that. When I wrote that, man, there was so much going on in my heart that I wanted to express. And I can, I can just give you the full picture. Oh, well, that's good, but I'm kind of busy because I'm reading your letters. So just give me, just thank you, but I, I got a few more to read because I'm going to get through my, my, my list today, and I'm, I've got several more to read, and I'm going to feel really good about you when I'm done reading your letters. So just give me a minute. Close the door. Wouldn't that be insane? That would just be insane. I didn't get to know Greg because he wrote me these great letters. They were a part of him. They were insight into his character. But they were surely, in almost 34 years of marriage, not the entirety of what he has said to me. Although they reflect aspects of his character that are so significant. And I hope that you'll use this kind of primitive example, but, but as an analogy that when Jesus said, you want me to leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. So why is it so sadly practiced? It's insane to read this word without inviting Jesus to sit with you. I mean, talk about a Bible study leader. There's just no better one than Jesus then the Holy Spirit sitting beside you and guiding you into the depth of what he's talking about. And by the way, he set it up that way so that people who decide to just, hmm, I'll read, I'll study, that's fascinating. I think I'll even, I think I'll even really get deep into this. this is fascinating stuff. I will become a scholar. And what's behind it is nothing of the heart, nothing of faith, nothing of the insight. insight. Do you know that there are actual Bible scholars that have devoted much of their life to the fascinating things that they discover in the Word of God who don't know God from anything? They, haven't even, they don't even believe him as Messiah, which Rich was mentioning at Bible study Wednesday night. People that even have given tours and tour guides in Israel all throughout the, the works of Jesus themselves having so much more knowledge than the average person about where Jesus walked and what he did and his ministry and all these things of the history of that that area, that region. And they don't even believe him as Messiah. See, Jesus set it up to where without his Holy Spirit unlocking a verse, a chapter, a section, we're only going to get certain parts. But yet, even as I went and now for probably the thousandth or more time that I've read Philippians 3.10 in my lifetime, probably thousands, there's such rich insight that I get that is like, was that there, Lord? <laughs> because, was that there? Because, I, I, how, did you add something to the word? Like, I know I've read that before, but it's blowing my mind. I have now, I don't even have the words. I don't have the human language for what you're showing me now. 
I can't even, I can't even contain it. It's so significant. And my mind is blown. That, that's what Jesus wants to do. He's saying, yeah, I'm teaching you about who I am. And who I am can only be experienced. Can only be experienced. One translation, um, or one verse I, I love in this translation is in Ephesians 3, um, verses 17 through 19. And, and um, I'm, I just love this. These are the, the theme verses for Strength for Women, um, the women's ministry. But it says in the, in the Amplified Classic, it says, May he grant you, verse 16, out of the rich treasury of his glory, to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself, indwelling your innermost being and personality, personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of it? That you may, and I love this, verse 19, man, just try to soak this in because it just blows my mind every time. That you may really come to know practically, practically, through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God. That is, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Whew! What in the world? That is what Jesus paid for, for us to be a dwelling place. That is a mouthful, but that is what Paul was trying to say when he was saying, I, that I may come to know him. Now, the part of the verse in Philippians 3.10 that's the hardest to swallow is to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. So what in the world does that mean? First, I want to look at two scriptures in 2 Corinthians one is 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 18. And these are difficult. Um, Paul really went through a lot. Um, so in verse 8, and again, I'm going to go ahead and be in the, the Amplified. So he's saying here, we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted and hard-driven, pursued, but not deserted. To stand alone, we are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered so that 
the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown forth in our bodies. Verse 11, I want to give you in that one too before we, I show you the other one. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be evidenced through our flesh, which is liable to death. There is something that happens. We just sang the song. There is something that happens when we are lit by the fire of God and we begin to burn. Look at the the concept of a candle, okay? A candle's flame is lit, and when the fire is still going, what happens is that to keep it lit, to keep the fire alive, it has to burn away the wick and melt away the wax. That process is continual as the flame is lit, right? As, as we see the flame, it doesn't go in and out. It doesn't, it doesn't stop and then come back to, you know, move some stuff away. It is a constant removal of the wax and disintegration of the flame or of the wick, of the, of the inner wick that that's, the fire is attached to, to keep that flame lit. And as we are lit as the light of the world, by the light, Jesus, we're lit. He's, he's wanting us to burn, as the song said, burn me beautiful, burn me lovely, burn me holy. He's wanting this to continue to just everything melt away and the wick just continue to be exposed. See, as the wax melts away, more of the wick is exposed for more of the fire to engross it. This is a picture of our life. It's like the wax gets burned away, so more of the wick is exposed so that more of the fire can grab and more light can shine. It's a beautiful picture of just staying on fire. Fire is, as, as I have mentioned a few t- other times when I've spoken, that, has, that was the actual image the Lord gave us for ignition. It was an army rising up, but what? In the midst of the fire, of the flame. There was something about we are to burn beautiful as a light, but to burn as everything is burned away so that more and more and more and more we can be exposed. Everything that is needs to melt away, God's melting away because of that flame. It's just continuing to come and, and our wick is being burned. I love that picture and the only thing that can stop that is to extinguish it. When it is extinguished, when it is deliberately or um, another force comes against it that can put it out. You know, when, when the, I love the little children's song that says, um, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And one of the verses is, hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. And I, man, I used to be the loudest when I say, no, <laughs> hide it under a bushel. No. And you get the kids going. And it's like, yeah, that's, you, you teach them when they're young to like, no, no. What happens? Because when you're, it's under a bushel, it's gone. The oxygen is sucked out because, you know, you need oxygen for fire to burn. So it's his breath in our lungs. 
So we pour out our praise. He burns away what needs to be burned away so that our life can be exposed and we can continue to be on fire. And there's just a whole lot of other analogy that could be given with that. But for sake of time, I will leave it there. We've got to allow him to do this. This sharing in his sufferings, one other scripture that kind of is hard. It's actually hard to read is in 2 Corinthians 11. When you look at this and you look at how people are suffering and they are suffering all over the world directly for their faith today in places that don't get the coverage in the news, Christians that are being persecuted, families that are being decimated, people that are being tortured for their faith is happening today in these times. Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, and and it's just, um, I'd seen a movie about a a man called to a place in Sudan, in in Africa, but in a different place, and it was was very... um, it just it just wrecked me for for what God's doing in Nigeria and this orphanage that this guy set up and how these kids um, are, are being trafficked and tortured and just evil evil that we can't even wrap our brains around to uh, to try to destroy. But Paul in his work, the enemy just came after him hard. Verse twenty four, five times I received from the hands of the Jews. Okay, forty. Lashes all but one, okay? But one, it's because at the 40th, it usually kills the person. So he was driven in lashings to the extent of almost dying. Talk about being pushed to the edge. And I know many of us, while we're not experiencing those kinds of things, have experienced moments where we felt like, wow, but for God, this situation would have killed me. This, this trial, this illness, this whatever would have killed me. Three times in verse 25, three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I have been aboard a ship wrecked at sea. A whole night and a day I have spent adrift on the deep. Many times on journeys exposed to perils from rivers, perils from bandits, perils from my own nation, perils from the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in desert places, perils in the sea. Perils from those posing as believers. Oh, my goodness. God's dealing with that. But destitute of Christian knowledge and piety. And what he's saying there, well, let me read on first. In toil and hardship, watching often through sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, Frequently driven to fasting by want, in cold and exposure and lack of clothing. And besides those things that are without, there is the daily inescapable pressure of my care and anxiety for all the churches. He's like, in addition to all this, I bear the daily weight of my burden for these churches. It's like I'm going through hell for you to get it because it's worth it. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm completely void of this religious piety. Because guess what? Those false prophets wouldn't let a hangnail go on in pain for their cause. Because when there's false, when, when, when they're false, they won't suffer for that falseness because it's false. What Paul's life demonstrated is that he knew, he knew who his father was, who his God was. He knew. And so everything he counted as loss for the sake of the the purpose and the calling that he was given. 
in communion this morning, Rich read the word, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And immediately, immediately the Lord said to me, there's a, there's a girl in here named Joy. She wouldn't have to change her name. But for joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. But for Josh that was set before him, he endured the cross. But for Judy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Put your name there. He endured because he knew, he knew what his calling was. He knew what he wanted to pay for his love. He wanted, this was his path to give us access to know him. And yet, we sometimes shrink back and say, yeah, but I know about him. And you know what? Quite frankly, it's just too hard sometimes. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I was one of those people. I, I don't say shame on you. I say shame on me because the Lord has, as I have given him my yes. You know, sometimes we don't know what our yes really is until it's tested. The Lord has tested my yes, and I'm so thankful for it. Because as he's tested my yes, I got to find out that it was a, really a yes. Many people have passionately spoken to me about their yes for the Lord. But a yes in lip service means nothing when there is no faith, no endurance, nothing to back it up. There is a testing. There is an enduring faith that is built in the fire of the testing. And Paul knew, he knew that that was going to be what would speak to these churches and, and what it just took in the warfare. It's, it didn't mean that he wasn't victorious. In fact, it showed how awesome his perspective was. See, when you know him, it changes. It changes your worship. It changes your love. But it changes your perspective. Life is but a vapor here on this earth. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. But guess what? This is an interview time. This is a, this is a reward gathering time. We have a short time to receive the reward of faith, to, to determine our placement for all eternity. So we're going to bank everything in what we receive on this time. God has given us every spiritual gift. He's given us all blessings, and he does not mind at all giving us blessings in the human realm either. He blessed Solomon, one of the wealthiest men ever. He, he doesn't mind any of that. But our perspective is that we're citizens of heaven. It's not about the job, the car, the, the stuff. It's not about that. If he gives that to us, honestly, if he gives that to us, it's another test to steward it. To use it for him, for his glory. Doesn't mean there's no, there, there's no kind of uh, feeling of, of shame on you that you have something nice. You're not allowed to be happy at all about things. No, if he's blessed you with that, it's like, thank you, Lord, for this blessing. Enjoy it with me. Show me its purpose. If its purpose is for you to bless me, then I, I just steward it according to your plan. You steward everything. Everything is given by him for him to be used for whatever his purposes are. So it's not even about that. It's the perspective is kingdom. I am a kingdom dweller. 
So that becomes my place to land in this crazy time. He needs to be the rock. We can't, you know, we can have these images about this foundation. And yes, he's the author and finisher of my faith and he's my foundation. What does that mean if we don't know him? I know when you know him, there is, there is this, this knowing confidence, this place of, of peace, of love, of, of assurance, of confidence. And, and there's just nothing like knowing him. I don't need to have a house or a particular external atmosphere to have my marriage. My marriage with Greg is we are married no matter where we may go, what we may do. We are just, we are married. We are in relationship. There is that solidified place. And by the way, that is where the vows came from, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, you know, when, especially when it's two believers. And, and don't ever let the enemy beat you up that, that God doesn't redeem and restore and repair anything broken in our past. He, he will make everything new in his time and in his way when we trust him. But that marriage, you know, a lot of people have to have external things in order. And when that gets destroyed, it's over. Do you know how many people got divorced during the early many months, first year of COVID? Being shut in together, not being able to just go and live their life. I mean, unbelievable. Look at some of the statistics. People that separated during that period of time because... Most of them entered into some of that with just such a naivety that it wasn't even about the relationship. It wasn't about the commitment of the relationship and building that. It was about, hey, yeah, that's cool. We got this in common. You know, we'll do this. And, you know, I mean, man, as long as you know, my career is going great, your career is going great. We got a nice house. We could combine our money. And, you know, and it becomes all of these things that can so easily be shaken. And then, boom, it's done. That's what the Lord is saying. No, no, no. Your spirit is sealed when you accept Jesus. But what I need are my people to know me for the battle that is in. The last thing I'll mention, I knew the Lord would change up my notes because I had a lot more. We know the famous story in Judges 6, starting in Judges 6, the story of Gideon. Gideon, his call, his um, his just being just plucked as a courageous man, um, that's all beautiful. I would encourage you to read the story, but... I want to mention the part about when the Lord dwindled down the 22,000 to the 10,000. The first, the first way that the Lord decided how he was going to get the glory. It was not going to be through the normal means of large numbers taking on. Although the Midianites, though, were quite, they were a vast army. I mean, like countless. And that's why when they would come in and take over an area, they were, it just devoured an area. But the Lord said, I am going to take this back. You're going to conquer But he needed an army that was very specific for his purposes to get the glory. And it was very interesting to me. uh, We know the story, but one thing that stood out to me was when he told Gideon, I just want you to make an announcement. This is going to be scary. It's going to be tough. If you're scared, you can leave. That was the first thing. It was just like, go ahead and just tell them plainly. It's going to be rough. If you're scared, you know, if you can't handle being all sold out, then let me just tell you now. And some of them were like, oh, Yeah, I don't know that I could deal with it. And they left. 22,000 went down to 10,000, just like that. Just by recognizing that, oh, it's so weird because it was was an army. But I guess in the parallel example today, it was like, oh, this is going to be hard. 
Like, I just, I just kind of want to do church. I mean, I just, you know, like, I'll volunteer. I mean, I might get on some lists, some rotating, you know, like, I'm, you know, I'll do a small group too, you know, if I really, I'm sure I can fit that in, but don't stretch me further than that because that's too much. They couldn't handle it, but they left. Then the Lord said, I need some serious people. I need an army that will show my glory. So I'm going to test the people. I'm going to let them be tested. And then I'm going to show you their hearts. And, of course, we know the story. What did they do? He said, the ones that go and bend over like a dog and lap the water up to their hands set aside. And then the ones that kneel down all the way, you know, getting their face right in the water, set those aside. And when he showed them there, he said, let the ones who are all the way down on their knees face in the water, let them go. And there were 300 left. And what the Lord showed me through that was, you know, in that environment, they were hungry. They were thirsty. They had to rely on the stops. There wasn't just a local Wawa, let's just stop and get a soda or a coffee. You know, there was a, they relied on the land to provide their water breaks, their food. So they come to this river, many of them very thirsty. So there was this mindset in this testing of, oh, I'm just, I, I just need to drink. Don't talk to me. Just, I, uh, I just need to drink. I got to get, I got to get mine. Because it's all about me right now. I, I just, you don't even know what I've been through. This is what I've been through. I just, blah, blah, blah. Don't talk to me. I, this, is, it's, this is my time to think about what I need. Guess what? Go home. If you can't keep your eye on the battle while you're getting your sustenance, I'm providing for you, and yet it's all about what is being provided for you. You have no ability to look. The others were like, Man, I'm super thirsty, but I'm keeping my eye on what's going on. I'm keeping my eye on what's going on because that's not why I'm here. I'm drinking because I need the drink, but that's not why I'm in this army. I'm in this army to do the job. And the next time we come to food or water, I'm going to keep watch. But there's no way I'm taking my eye off of what's going on. And others that were just like, I just need water. I just need water. That's all I can think about. I just need water. And that's what's happened to the bride. There's this line being cut. I just need, I just need my life. I just, I just need my, I need my provisions. You just don't know how hard it's been. Really? The Lord doesn't know how hard it's been? In this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. What's happening now is the Lord has, in this line, said, It's time to go for this next battle coming. I need people who can keep their eye on me and know that I will meet their need. But that their focus is the kingdom first and his righteousness. Then all these things shall be added unto you. Now that didn't mean that ultimately the later fight, they were completely gone out of the army. Some of them, some of them did come back and fight. But not for the initial. He needed a special army to rise And to show his glory. And they missed out. They missed out on what victory they got to see. That there will forever be that moment of the victory against the Midianites. That was a supernatural experience of God's glory. That those that couldn't handle anything but getting 
their needs met, getting what was theirs, what they felt like was owed them without having to think about other stuff because it's super stressful. It, it's very sad, but that's where we are. I, um, I don't think we need to go on about that, but where are you? Are you able to let God meet your need and keep your eye on it? Do you know him? Do you know him? Are you experiencing him? Are you perceiving him? You're only going to do that when you spend time with him. If you're going, and, and, and please understand when I say this, I think devotional books are amazing, amazing. And I do understand that some people that, that use devotional books, they, know, they have the right paradigm. So, I, so don't, don't think I'm demonizing devotional books. But if you need a devotional book to find God, then it's not going to help you. You know, do you know that if, if we always from the beginning got that we could just hear the Lord and go right to his word and know exactly where to go, there wouldn't even be a market for devotional books. It would just be communing with him and soaking in his very word. There wouldn't be any other pieces that would be needed to direct us there. Now, the Lord does use the body of Christ to write beautiful things that, that give us his word. That, that's, that's a great thing. But devotional books have become more read than the very word. And it's sad. And we feel like we're reading the word because we're reading the verse that starts it and that ends it, or maybe the references to go to, and, and we, we maybe skim those. But when we know him, we will literally know. It is amazing to me how many verses he will bring to me, how many times he'll bring to me where to be that I used to rely on devotional books to just kind of tell me where to go. Now, that doesn't mean that if I come across a great devotional that he doesn't use that. He does. But he wants me to know him so intimately that it literally changes every one of the Christianese ways that I was living, that I was existing. He's like, I want to tear all that up. And, and that becomes very offensive to people that need those things and that feel like you're somehow tearing down the structure of the church. No, it's just look back at the structure of the church and how it began. You know, oh man, that's another whole subject. But God wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He offers us that. He paid with his blood and body for that. Let's. Let's receive that invitation today and know him. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, if you believe and you've received Jesus, then that Holy Spirit, that same spirit is in you. That same resurrecting power that, that gives us not just life eternal in heaven, but life out of the deadness of this world in fellowship with him in the spirit, in the kingdom realm. Right now, while in this body, Paul said, he gave us that, and he wants us to walk in that. And I'll tell you what, go back and read, and maybe I'll even put it back on God Squad, the, the word that, uh, that was released um, that he gave both me and Bryn the same day. I was reading it from, from the very, very end of August, where he, at the end of the word he gave Bryn, he said, choose now, choose now. There will be no other choice. There will be a period of time, a period of testing. I don't know how long, but there will be no other choice than to just be still and know that he is God. And many of us desire that. And you can't beat yourself up for not, 
You can only beat yourself up for how you're not surrendered today. God is in process building us. Don't compare yourself to where someone else is, but you better know today that you're absolutely laid down before him. Let him work that process in you. He will fill you. He will build your faith. You don't build your faith. You, you just give him your yes, and then he will build your faith. But your faith gets hindered when there's a day you miss where the yes isn't given. So it needs to be a, a step-by-step yes. Yes, Lord. Next situation, yes, Lord. Next situation, yes, Lord. I see things this way. I see, I see through your eyes. I see your, Lord, what do you think? And it doesn't matter how small. I, I used to kind of chuckle when I would hear people that would talk to God about every little detail in their life. And I'd just be like, you know, seriously, is that maybe a crutch that, you know, I just didn't get it. That was such a, it was such an obvious, now I look back and I'm like, man, that was such an obvious place of just not knowing him. To think that he wouldn't care to help me pick out an outfit, he does. Now he, he'll say, you know what to pick. I can give you some insight on what might be a problem and what might not be, you know, what might not be comfortable for you later, what might not be appropriate. But he cares about the details, every detail. Like, you know, we just think we go to God for like the big stuff and we're like, oh, I've never talked to God about that. You don't know him then. You don't know him. That's what intimacy is, is that every part of him is able to be talked about. If he's going to consume every part, open every door and and completely come in, it's got to be given to him. It's got to be offered. He'll never go usurp our will. So trust him today and and examine, ask him, say, what have I withheld that is an indication of something I don't know about you? I need to experience that. Let me let me know you more. We want more of him. He's going to test that. Why? Why? Lord, why do you have to test it? Because when I test it, you'll see that I'm your source. If you're always your source, I can't be, he says. So he's got to show us that he, if you don't have the plan figured out, if you just, yeah, but Lord, but I need this. Yeah, but I need, do you need it? If he's going to give you a spouse, if he's going to give you a job, if he's going to give you that, let it be his blessing on your life. Don't you dare let it be because you have to have it to be fulfilled. You're going down a long, wrong road if you need those things for fulfillment. You need him for fulfillment. He will give you the blessings he chooses to give you. Be careful of that. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Oh, God, I am just. I only got out a few percentage of what you gave me this week, God, but I haven't even. I haven't even begun to know you like I desire, Lord. And I know we didn't get to the passion translation of those verses in Philippians 3, but God, Paul said that I'm not even there yet. I've not even gotten to where I know I could be in knowing you. That's why he didn't even know whether he should stay or go. What would be better? Because it's, it's really for your purposes. He never saw death as anything other than your purpose. Oh, God, I, I, just, I just pray that you just open us, open our eyes, open our, our minds, our hearts, our arms to receiving your love, to knowing the fullness of who you are that will be reflected in how much we trust and even in how much we trust others. 
because our reluctance, and you've shown this to me in my own life, God, my reluctance to love and open my life to others was because I didn't know and wouldn't or couldn't receive your love for me. So I had all these walls. Forgive me. Thank you. Thank you that you changed that. Help us, God, to know that the great commandment is to love you with every part of our being and then love others. Why? Because it spills out of loving you and letting you love us. God, we just want to know you. I just praise you. I thank you, God, for the people you've put in my life. You've put strategic people in my life that I wouldn't humanly perhaps interact with as closely based on my own understanding. But you've shown me that your ways are so much better. Thank you, God. Help us to receive the people that you put in our lives because they often are used by you to show us things we wouldn't otherwise see because we like to gravitate toward people that are already like us so we can stay in our own little way of being us. But you like to tear that up because there's so much more you want to show us about who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the truth that you give. Take this word I just pray, Holy Spirit, you just unlock it in minds that it would make sense because I'm still in process with you to know you more. But I do give you my heart. I give you all of myself. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, for taking me places that I never imagined you'd take me, showing me things showing me character traits of you that I couldn't have seen if I hadn't been in these places. Thank you for those that you put in my life to nudge me to take those steps of faith that I was reluctant to take. And you're still doing it. Because I just, I know I can't fully know you without stepping in faith. Once I step into that place of nothingness, I find that You're everything. You're everywhere. You're the complete fulfillment of where I thought I was stepping into total absence of understanding. I just praise you. I praise you, God. Open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you are saying, God, that we might know you, that I may know him. I pray this in the mighty, holy, awesome name of Jesus. Amen.